0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 3, Episode 6, The Counterclock Incident Revised Draft, July 31st, 1974. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemacek. All right, Trek fans, are you on the edge of your seats? We've never before. This is like the third season of The Trek Files, and so, of course, we have to have our first cliffhanger. I'm, I'm being facetious here. <laughs> but this is the first time I'm ever going to do a shout-out to uh, our prior guest, Fred Bronson. And as you, as you may remember from last time's episode, he was just about to launch into a, a, an older story further back in Trek time. Uh, I'm I'm teasingly calling Fred uh, the Forrest Gump of Star Trek here so far for The Trek Files. Uh, We have a few more of those Forrest Gump moments. Uh, Forrest Trek, I guess, maybe. Uh, Listen, we have a segment from an earlier era of Star Trek for you this this week um, from the uh, animated series that Fred was very much a part of. So uh, take a listen to this sample. Of course, you can find it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Trek Files. Take a look there. Listen to this, and I will be right back with Fred. Interior Bridge Close Up. Robert April, a 75 year old man whose looks belie his age. He has a full beard of gray hair. He's rather trim and in good physical condition. He's wearing what we would consider a full dress uniform, more formal than the Enterprise crew. He stands next to Captain Kirk, who is seated in his command chair. Also on the bridge at their stations are Spock, Uhura, Erex, and Sulu. All right, Truck of Files with an F. I know, I hope you can tell in my voice how excited I am to have our good friend back, Fred Bronson. Fred, who is involved with Star Trek, I'm kidding about the Forrest Gump metaphor, but here, but literally, has so many fun moments, both credited and uncredited. Uh, Fred's a lifetime writer, he's a former publicist, uh, worked also with Dick Clark. Uh, Wrote to the American Music Awards for twenty years. Wrote the show. Wrote the script for the shows. Worked twelve years on New Year's Rock and Eve. Uh, did all kinds of project with Dick Clark and others. But it's uh, Star Trek and things Roddenberry that have his heart. Fred, we are so glad to have you back. And this time I will let you finish your sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Or we could just save it for the next cliffhanger. I love that. (laughs) I love that I was part of your first one. Well, that's just, you know, things are organic sometimes when they're live like this, live and recorded. Now, we were talking about uh, a script you you were talking about the script you wrote for or a spec script to pitch yes. for the original series I, when you were a young fan.
1: I really wanted to write for the original series. I was 17 years old when it went on the air, and I had no connections. Uh, I really didn't know how to but get here in L.A., obviously. I did. I was born and raised in L.A. I did interview Gene for my college paper, but that wasn't—I didn't feel like I could then call him up and say, Hey, by the way, I have a script. <laughs> So no, wait 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 wait
0: you interviewed Gene yes. for your who co- you went to what Northridge
1: I did oh, Cal State okay. Northridge which at the time was called San Fernando Valley State College that's how long ago it was The Daily Sundial. Uh-huh. and I went to the editor and as a freshman and said
0: and as a fan of Star Trek
1: and as a fan of Star Trek and I said you know I'd like to interview Gene Roddenberry for
0: he said uh yeah go ahead now, now, where was Star Trek in the development in the development of the show and the development of the fan frenzy
1: Uh well, I was already sort of connected into fandom, but it was a very small right. fandom as far as I knew. But just some local fans, people who collected film clips and yeah. things like but that. Yeah, but I mean,
0: where was Star Trek along the way? We were. It was the first season. Okay.
1: And to tell you where in the first season it was, as part of the interview, Gene said, we've got an episode coming up that is so good, it really should be a movie. Oh, that and can he descri- be. Well, he described it, and when... I watched the episode. I went, oh, that's
0: the one he was telling me about sitting, sitting on, the on the edge, edge of forever. forever. Right, of course. So mid-late first season is when yes. this interview yes. happens. Okay.
1: It had been long on long enough to intrigue me and really to, you know—
0: could fire my passion. Well, as of the last couple of weeks, we found that interview in the. Um, we're going to put it up with the with the script for counter clock incident that we're going to get to here eventually. But Great. you had a whole. I just before the counter clock incident, you're a student. You're a fan. You're like this incredible explosion of fandom that's on the verge of happening as soon as it can find itself. Right. Yes, kids, we did not have the internet in those days. No. You had to find each other <laughs> the hard way. Yes. So you interviewed Gene. I
1: did, and his big revelation to me, I thought, yeah. was the whole purpose of TV is to sell toothpaste. Right. So that was my lead.
0: And the, that blew your little 17 I thought,
1: wow, that's insightful. I never thought of that. <laughs> Uh, and then I had a, a a TV script writing class where we had to write a script for a TV show. So of course, of course, and uh, I saw it recently on the Orville.
0: <laughs> no, wait, what? That, yeah. Not by your hand.
1: Not by my hand, and, and I'm not implying anything because nobody knows I wrote this. Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, it was just coincidental. What, what was it? I'll tell you the title, and you'll know. My, my you. silly question would be, do you still remember what it was, Fred? I yeah. do. Okay. I do. Uh, the The
1: title of the episode was, and this should give away the Orville episode, mm-hmm. Monument. Mm-hmm. So the final episode of season one where we have that big statue of Kelly mm-hmm. in my story, and again, this might sound a little cliched, but it was original at the time. Uh, they land, A landing party goes down to a planet. They find a monument of themselves. And they're drawn back into the planet's past 500 years earlier, and Spock reverts to the Vulcans of that time, which, as we saw later on, was used in all our yesterdays, right. again, Cohen's you know just right. great minds thinking alike, if you don't mind me saying that, and uh I never did anything with the with mm-hmm. with the script I wish I had, and I was thinking <laughs> recently maybe I could turn it into an Orville and then they did it without they me. Are,
0: yeah. yeah, dang them, yeah. Well, so then uh, I have to admit, we were talking earlier um, on the other side of our room, and uh, you said that you were there for the protest at NBC for a third season during the mail campaign. Uh, Organized by
1: John and B. Joe Trimble, Mm -hmm. and I knew the Trimbles, and I got a few of my friends together, and we marched on NBC. Have you found yourself in any of those black and white pictures? Oh, Yeah.
0: Oh, Absolutely. My gosh. Oh, I, we have to. You have to show me. This. Uh, okay.
1: I I don't. I'd have to really look for them. I've got copies. We've got I'm, copies. I'm a little embarrassed to show the picture because I didn't make the signs, <laughs> and Valley is misspelled, <laughs> V A L L Y Valley okay. State. Yeah, I go to college, but I can't spell. Right. Uh, but we all had signs, and we marched from a park about three or four blocks away from the network. And the man Johnny who... Johnny Carson Park? Today's, uh, today's no, Johnny a, Carson? it was oh. a different, different oh, okay. park, a little further away. Okay. And uh, we walked over, and the man who greeted us was a man named
0: Hank Rieger. Mm-hmm. He was there with... Somebody was, from NBC came out and...
1: Oh, two people. Stanley Robertson was the program guy on oh, Star Oh, Stan Trek.
0: Robertson, that we hear so much. Always wrote the notes to the yes. scene and Bob about uh, more planets... Shows, but spend less money. Less money. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: he came out with Hank Rieger, who was head of publicity. Mm-hmm. Hank Rieger, the man who, three years later, hired me to be a publicist. Oh, that's that's amazing. At NBC.
0: And, of course, I told him, you know, I was there at that protest. <laughs> <laughs> He's not holding that against you, right? Well, you, they, because uh, well, the animates were on the way by then. When when so the animated series was first announced, I, they of
1: course said, "Fred, that's that's going to be your show," because they knew how oh, good. much I loved.
0: See, that was in the attitude when they saw that as a skill and not as a strike against you. Exactly. <laughs> Oddly enough, you're going to go over to Filmation and steal cells, aren't you, Fred? No, that was not the mindset then. No, but it wasn't. no, wait a minute. So they came out to talk. That's amazing. No, I, we don't. Think yeah, they greeted us. And did you say something about having a petition? We had petition. I mean, B. Joe really
1: organized right, this, right. but we had petitions, thousands of signatures. They were handed over to Hank and Sam, and they thanked us profusely
0: for not sending you thousands of envelopes to open. That's right. why it was right. one scroll or
1: one sheet. That's of paper. a plus. Yeah, and they did not say, "And we're going to renew Star Trek." But you know, a few weeks later on the air, mm-hmm. as you know they made an announcement because the network was getting so much mail they wanted it to stop. And it worked.
0: Right, At least right. it worked for... A third season, one year, yeah. one year, and they got close to that old, that old standard of a hundred episodes. So you were there yeah. at the. Yeah. I can't wait to go back and look at pictures. So you were there <laughs> for the protests, I know, and I want to get to the animated show, but you had one more, couple more brushes with greatness I during this time, especially one more with the with the mail campaign, or it was a handy excuse you said.
1: Yes, of the renewal. campaign. Well, so somehow, I got the home address of Nichelle Nichols. And this is during season three, so it's still on the air. And I said to my friends, and these were the friends who went with me to the protests, by Mm -hmm. the way. I said, why don't we mock up a petition to keep Star Trek on the air and pretend we're going through her neighborhood, but just go to her house (laughs) to see if she'll sign, you know. has
0: fake signatures already on it. Yeah. Yeah, we
1: put a few signatures on that we faked and drove over to her house and all my friends... Said, uh, no, we're not going out. And so I went up to the door, <laughs> rang the bell. It was about six o'clock on a weeknight.
0: Spring of 68, sometimes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Winter. Uh, a gentleman opened the door and I said, um, Hi, uh, sorry to bother you, but uh, we're going through your neighborhood tonight asking people to sign petitions to keep Star Trek on the air. And he said, Really? And I just acted the total innocent. I said, yes, would you like to sign? You may have even thought you interrupted something. I did. I did (laughs) think that. He wasn't wearing a shirt, and I thought, I may have come at a bad time. But he signed the petition, and -hmm. then he said, would you like another signature? Now, I know what's going on, but I do not let on. Of course. I said, "Um, yeah, of course. And so he said, I'll be right back. Came back a minute later, handed me the petition, and closed Aww, the door. No show, just and ink. No, yeah. she was. She did not come to the door, but she signed the petition. Mm-hmm. But that's not the punchline to the story. Oh, but wait, there's more. Twenty five years go by. <laughs> literally twenty five years, and now I'm reading Starlog magazine, which covered. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi on TV and in the movies. Right. And there's an interview with Michelle in which she says the show was so popular, people actually came through my neighborhood <laughs> with petitions to keep it on the air. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I never told her because it never occurred to right, me. Right, right. It wasn't something I ever even thought about because I didn't know her at this time. Made, and a, made an impression on her. Well, you never know, Right. <laughs> About two months later, I went to see a production of a play with Mark Leonard and Walter Koenig. Oh, uh, what, the Boys of Autumn? Yes. Older Tom, uh,
0: yes, Tom exactly, and Exactly, Tom yeah. and Huck.
1: And uh, I went with Susan Sackett, mm-hmm. my friend. And sitting next to us was my friend Mark Zickery, who I had known since oh, he was yes. uh, uh, almost a preteen. And his wife, Carol. Author and producer, yes. Yeah. 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 And in front of us were Nichelle and George. So I said, Nichelle, I read your Nichols interview and with... Decay, in Dr- case
0: anyone's wondering. Yeah, yes, yes. That, George, okay. that George.
1: Not, not yeah, That George. Not Bush. That George. I said, Nichelle, I read your Starlog interview. Oh, did you like it? Uh, yeah, it was great. By the way, that was me who came to your door with a petition, and we were not going through your neighborhood. Somehow I got your address, and Mark Zickery says... Yeah, remember? My uncle was an agent. I gave it to you, which I had totally forgotten. <laughs> and we just went to your house. Well, she thought it was the funniest thing she'd ever heard because she had this belief for 25 years that this thing happened right. that they, didn't
0: happen like she thought. packs of roving, uh, yeah, fans yes. are moving through arms. She, she apparently never went to the
1: neighbors and said, hey, what would you think of that petition <laughs> <laughs> last night?
0: <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> Oh, well that's amazing. Well, but now you said you had you had speaking of Mark Zakree, you, yes. you and your circle of friends came up with one more. Another encounter. Another encounter.
1: Well one of my friends, uh Jackie, who uh was a And you're still a college student. I'm still a college student. She was actually in high school mm-hmm. but and she wanted to write for Star Trek as well. Jackie Tells me one day, yeah, I called the production office And I I got an appointment to come and visit the set I said, really? She said, yeah, anybody can do it I said, really? (laughs) She said, yeah, try it She went to Day of the Dove, by the way, was her episode So I called And they gave me an appointment time 4 p.m. December 31st, 1968 And you can bring a friend they let you, t-
0: aside from letting you tour, they let you tour on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. When you would think everybody was hell-bent to get out of there. Well, they, it turns out they were, but 4 <laughs> o'clock was still good. Okay.
1: So I invited Mark Zickery. Uh-huh. I was 19. Mark was 14. <laughs> and we drove over. I, I drove since he was 14. And uh, we showed that. up at 4 o'clock, and someone walked us over to the set and said, Okay, stay about a half hour and then go. And he took off. So now we're two unchaperoned kids <laughs> on the set. They were filming in sick bay, on the same stage as the bridge. So we mm-hmm. got to see the bridge, mm-hmm. even though it was dark. And the episode was turnabout. I was going to say this is the final day. Yes, it was. In fact, we didn't know that. We didn't realize at first. But as I as we were standing there, uh, Major walked by us. Now she didn't know me at that time. But she walked by us. wishing
0: costume and decked Yeah, because
1: yeah, she was right. in the scene. Right, yeah. Uh, and an assistant director said, come on, people, it's New Year's Eve. Let's get this done so we can all go home. It's the last episode of the season. And under her breath, Majel says, huh, last episode, period. And my heart sank. Because it was not announced that the show had yeah. been canceled yeah. yet. It was not a shock, and
0: yet it was. But to have it in your face and I thought, said by Majel.
1: Yeah, my thought was, no! <laughs> I couldn't say anything to her. I did know that she and Jean were an item. Right. So I knew that this was not just some gossip, but she knew. So, but that's not the end of the story. Oh, wait. But wait, there's more. There's more. So... It's the 4.30 Kinsu comes, horoscope. and we do not leave because nobody's paying well, I, any attention no, to us. No really.
0: self-respecting
1: fan. I, <clears throat> no. Why, why would we leave? I could relate myself, but go ahead. So uh, about, about 5.30, they did call a wrap so people could go home and get to their New Year's Eve parties. Mm-hmm. And we're walking out, and there's a little walled-off area, and we could see inside there were sinks and mm-hmm. mirrors, so obviously a makeup room. And as we're walking out, DeForest Kelly walked into the makeup room. And Mark says, let's go say hi to DeForest Kelly. <laughs> and I said, you know, Mark, we've overstayed our welcome. They want to go home. We probably shouldn't bother them, so we're going to go. You're so conscientious. I Well, for about 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Actually, good. <laughs> we walk outside, and I'm thinking... I'm never going to get this opportunity again, not knowing mm-hmm. where my life was going. I said, come on, Mark. And you we're, just heard the show was apparently ending. Yeah, can't, yeah, yeah. It, last show ever. The so last this day is of the last step, yeah. I said, come on, we're going to go in. We're going to say hi to DeForest Kelly. So we walk well, to the edge. What of, could they do? Yeah. You are on
0: your way out Throw anyway. us out?
1: Yeah. 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 Throw us in jail? I don't know. <laughs> so we walk over to that little entrance way. And there he is leaning over the sink washing his face, and he looks up at us. It's not DeForce Kelly, who must have walked in and walked out. It's William Shatner. Can I I guess I can say this. Sure. He's not wearing his toupee. Uh-huh. He's bald. So there's our first shock. <laughs> he looks up, soap is dripping down his face, and he says, I, I will not do I'm not imitating him, but what he said was, "Would you get out? Would you get out of the makeup room?" (laughs) So we left. Uh, It didn't bother us. We didn't. We didn't feel shamed or upset. Or we thought, "Well, that was interesting."
0: Did it, but it it soaked in that it was the last day of the last show. Of, yeah, it was the last, really yeah. it was really terrible news. That we was, had a great time on the set. That was right in the time when Joni Winston was visiting. I don't know if you probably didn't I, know I, her. I or,
1: actually yes had met Joan seeing? back then. Oh, okay, yeah. okay,
0: yeah, and wrote about that famously. She happened to be there when they they had the actual, but it was that last week. It was, yeah, wow, yeah. So so three four years later, you're out of college. Yes, you're you're. Working as a writer, publicist, whatever. And well, you get a job at, you go I, for NBC? I got a job at NBC. I, I, so
1: I had an internship at NBC in publicity. And a month after I graduated, they hired me. Mm-hmm. And I started off working on... That's why we intern. This is going to make me sound even older than I am, <laughs> but Bonanza. Uh-huh. Sanford and Son. Well, these are top dog shows. They you're, were, yes, yeah. they were. You're yeah, the,
0: you're getting the cream of the crop.
1: I was 22 years old, and here I am. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. I loved it. And then in 1973, with your boss, the guy that you'd handed petitions the to, Hank yeah. Reed, my boss, says, "You know, we're going to we're we're announcing an animated Star Trek series, so you're going to be the publicist." I treated it like the second coming of Star Trek. Of course you did, like a primetime show. Like a pri- That's exactly what I've told people. I treated it like a primetime show. I did more publicity <laughs> on that animated show than any Saturday morning show had ever received. But it was big news. It was
0: worth it in big news.
1: Yeah, yeah. especially with the original cast and Dorothy Fontana involved, very involved, as the showrunner, really. Right, right. And Gene, you know... So, I started setting interviews for people and uh, taking you know took a photographer to the first recording mm-hmm. session, but I also saw this as my opportunity to write for Star Trek. I hope you did yeah, although the first season went by uh, uh, quickly and i didn 't right. i didn 't submit anything then it got renewed for a second season, but just six, which is what they did they would refresh a show. They thought kids are going to watch the same thing over and over anyway, so we'll just rerun it.
0: Yeah. It really had nothing to do with the fact that they could have done more. They could, it wasn't yeah, like it, a primetime. It's just the way paradigm. they did yeah. Saturday morning.
1: So once it got renewed, I really started thinking. And there were two slots left. And I came up with an idea for a story I called War Game. They find a planet where World War II, Earth's World War II mm-hmm. is being reenacted. And they beamed... By aliens. By aliens. For their entertainment. Right. And they beam down, and they're in Hiroshima on August 6, 1945, and they realize they've got to get out of there. Well, the notes from NBC were, we don't want to do a story about World War II for kids,
0: (laughs) even though adults were watching. Right, right, right. Yeah. Especially the nuke day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it got rejected. Filmation liked it, but it got rejected by NBC. Well... I had always been told that we could write for NBC shows, but we couldn't write for the other networks. But you had to get your boss's permission. So I went to Hank Rieger, and I said, oh, but I just want to let you know, I, I, I'm submitting a story to the anime Star Trek. And he said, you can't write for NBC shows. You can only write for the other networks. Oh, just backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I didn't know who got it backwards, me or him. But I didn't challenge him. I just said, "Oh, okay, well, then I won't." But I wasn't going to let that (laughs) stop me. Now I had already made up a name for War Game, and I thought, "Well, that might be blown because now a pseudonym, a pseudonym for you." Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I was a big Motown fan, so I wrote under the name Michael Gordy. (laughs) No relation to Barry. Barry? Yeah. So I thought, well, now I need another name if I'm going to submit another story. So I grew up in Culver City, and uh-huh. John Culver. I didn't know at the time that John Culver was a senator from Iowa, <laughs> who just died very, uh-huh. like a few weeks ago, by the way. But I just picked, that was my random name. And I came up with a counter-clock incident. And this time, Filmation said yes, and NBC said yes. But I couldn't tell anybody. So my dream of writing for Star Trek came true and I had to keep it a secret. Yeah. Because I was afraid I would lose my job. Would I have lost my job? I don't know. Maybe not. How
0: long did you wind up at NBC?
1: I stayed twelve years. Well, so I, I right. stayed till eighty-three.
0: You'd barely been eighty two, yeah. yeah. Well speaking of the counterclock incident, we've got the script, the basically the the final script posted, which was available for sale for many years here at, at Lincoln. From the right. Um it's pretty much what we've posted is pretty much the aired documents. And there's not a lot of changes, but in the interests of time, we I wanted to get all these stories in. The the thing so the script we had, there's not a lot of changes. I don't know how much you went through in the story process, but the one thing I had to ask you about was you're, This is the one time and people argue canon. Of course, Discovery's made it a moot point now, graphically. Right, right. But the whole point of Robert April, right. And and using that. And what was what came first, doing a time-reverse show and he was a happy uh, prop to use? Or did you want to do a Robert April show and, and the time, reverse time, was the way to get to it? Well... And growing younger and all that. My thought was
1: to introduce a predecessor to Pike. And so I went back and watched the Menagerie to make sure they never said that Pike was the first captain of the Enterprise. And they never said that. Mm-hmm. So I felt like there was room to introduce a predecessor to Pike. And then I thought, well, I remember in the making of Star Trek, there was a list of names. I think it was nine, but you could you could right. fact check me.
0: Flag and, and Winter and all of yeah, them Yeah, and there. Kirk and
1: Pike, of and course. Kirk, yeah. I thought, well, I'll just, in honor of Gene, I'll pick a name he already liked mm-hmm. for the captain. And the one that hit me was Robert April from that list. So the character came first, and then I named him Robert April. And I never even thought about canon at the time. Yeah, it was only later when this argument came up about, well, the animated isn't canon, but for some reason, I think it's because Gene liked the name. He decided that was canon, and it wasn't because of me or
0: well, it was it was a, the first Captain name really used in a major draft. It became Pike right. for the Cage, right? But all the early work was uh, was Robert April, Robert M. April. I think even had a middle initial. Yeah. <laughs> So honoring that. And, yeah, and it's it's a moot point now, but it's the kind of thing that someone's going to come up with a, another name for the captain earlier than Pike and it not be April. And then you'd have a scream from everyone who. Sure. I mean, no. I could
1: I could have easily just, but I thought,
0: no, it should come right. from,
1: from that way. In fact, I put a lot of references in counterclock incident to previous episodes. And do you know why I did that? Because you were a fan because I wanted to see all the cross references
0: in the concordance. Beejus <laughs> concordance was out. That's true. Well, speaking true. of that, so I would ask you real quick. So Sarah April, yes, in the show, says she was the first medical officer aboard a warp ship, which has kind of been superseded a little bit. We could twist that. But if I had only known about Enterprise, I know only known was Sarah an homage to anyone or name for anything? No,
1: no. Uh, my big regret, though in the script and I, I am embarrassed to this day that i did this mm-hmm. i continually refer to her as mrs april instead of dr april and it it hit me when i watched the show on the air for the first time oh, i went shame what you was said. i thinking
0: you and everyone else who saw the script and didn't think yeah nobody nobody caught it well it was not quite the not quite the last show of the animated but down near the end oh and, it, uh, it was it was the final episode Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, it, was. Yes,
1: there it was. was. There was one slot left. I knew that as the publicist. And I just thought, I'm going to give it my best shot. And
0: it worked out. I'm thinking air order. Right. And then the years go by. And well, you know what? There's more. There is more to tell, Fred. I just, I'm, I'm no cliffhanger this time except to say that we have got to have you back. Well, anytime. At least one more time. I'd love to be we back. Ha- we haven't even hit the motion picture yet. I know. There's so much to say. the next generation. I, I promise I won't start calling you Forrest, but that's what I'm feeling like here. These are so, this, this has been such a great visit, Fred.
1: Well, um, same for here, Larry. And I take it as a compliment, by
0: the way, the Forrest Gun. Please do. So, please do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for coming by, and we will have you back. Thanks for sharing all of this. This, Fred, it's been awesome. My pleasure. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All our documents are available at Facebook.com/slash The Trek Files. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at Larry